Church, would you have me to say hi to those who are joining us online for church today? Come on, say hello to them, big hand. We're glad you're here. We're kicking off a brand new series today simply titled Teach Us to Pray because I want to help you to pray in such a way that it produces great joy in your life. Anybody here a candidate for joy? Anybody here a candidate for joy? I just would love like a, just a healthy dose of just joy. And when we began this year, we simply said this is the year of gratitude and joy. Would you say those two words with me? Gratitude and joy. When you come to God with gratitude and you look Look at all that he's done for you. It produces something fresh in your heart and in your life. It produces great joy. And for the next four weeks, I want to tell you what I'm going to be doing, what we're going to be doing as a church, because I want to get you ready for it. For the next four weeks, I'm going to teach you how to pray, maybe for some of you, in a way you've never prayed before. And for some of you, it's going to be a little refresher course. Anybody like a little refresher course? Every once in a while, it's like if you haven't been to the gym for a little while, you need a little refresher course. Hey, everybody, a curl looks like this, right? That, that's what we're going to do. I wore a baggy shirt so it wouldn't look like I was bragging. Okay, that's what I, just kidding, just kidding. But listen, some of us need a little refresher course on, on prayer and what it looks like and, and, and how to pursue God. And for four weeks, we're going to learn and grow. And then we're going to have our annual prayer week, seven days of going after God in fasting and prayer, fasting and prayer. That means fasting is saying no to some things that keep you from God. And so whatever is kind of your filler, like when you get down, you go to eating, maybe you need to fast some food. When you get down and you have a hard week, you go to Netflix and binge, everybody, right? And uh, Netflix binging, I should say, right? That was better. And don't look at me like that. I didn't say chill, did I? I didn't say that. Y'all, I'm sweating like T.D. Jakes already up here. What is going on? I must be excited, I'm telling you. Or I stayed up way too late, right? Uh, maybe it's one of those two things. But we're going to, for the next four weeks, get ourselves ready for a week of fasting and praying. Fasting, yes, is letting go of some things that tend to get in the way or what we go to to be our answer rather than God. And I want to ask all of you to consider fasting just for one week something, right? Fasting television, fasting the news, fasting anything you can imagine. And you've got a month, a whole month to think about what you're going to give up. And so if you need to like really start early, (laughs) some of you need to like try to kick sugar early because that week's going to be hard or caffeine, I want to encourage you to consider fasting. And for one week, we're going to pray for heaven to invade earth. Y'all with me today, right? We're going to pray for, for God to do some supernatural things because we are in a season. We're just hopefully a few months away from moving into this building. Y'all hear me? A few months away from moving into this, right? We've begun a good work and we need God to show up for us because when we decided to own ground, We decided to take ground from the devil. Amen, everybody? He's not happy about it. And the way that we overcome those attacks isn't to fight physically. It's to fight spiritually. And over the next four weeks, I want to give you the tools. I want to make sure that you know how to do this so that when we pray in that week, that we actually turn over the table together, that we do some great things for God. And so uh, years ago, we've had this rally cry around our church. We've called it Pray First. And some of you probably still have the bracelet. They're in the hallway if you don't have one. It's just that simple reminder when bad things happen, we what? We, we pray first. When good things happen, what do we do? We still pray first. When we think something might happen and we're not sure what it's going to look like. What do we do, church? We, we pray first. We have this tendency to do the opposite of that in our worlds. 
And I would simply ask you today, what's your, what's your first response? Anybody, what's your first response when somebody cuts you off? Do you pray for them? Do you bless them with words you can't say in church? We all have a first response, and if you're anything like me, I have this tendency to act first, try some stuff on my own, right? Just say, I got, hey, God, I've got this one. God, I got, I, hey, God, I've got this one. But then when you can't fix it yourself, all of a sudden you're like, oh, God, you're so good. <laughs> he wasn't good enough to pray first to. But we pray last because we get to the point when I can't fix it myself. And so let me give you some scenarios of what that looks like in church today. We got the, we got the cute non-Christian who comes walking up and asks your, your single life out, right? They, they come and say, Hey, would you like to go out with me? And you've been praying for God to send you, come on, a, a man of God, right? But you, the devil sends you somebody else. What's your first response? Well, pastor, you know, you say yes, and then you ask God to save them. <laughs> you ever heard of missionary dating? Come on, wave your hand at me. You heard a little missionary dating? And the pastor responds, I didn't know you were a missionary, right? I didn't know. I didn't know that this is how you were living. You were saving the world by dating one non-Christian at a time. <laughs> God doesn't answer our prayer fast enough. We start thinking things in our own hands or we don't even pray at all. And we just say, I'm going to give this a shot because it must be God. I've been praying for somebody. How about this one? Ladies, a cute, expensive pair of shoes asked you to buy them. What's your response? You don't have the money, but you put it on the credit card and then you ask God to deliver you from the dead, right? Oh God, would you deliver me from the dead? Well, uh, no, there's some things if you had prayed when you were looking at that shoes, God would have said, you know what? I love you more than shoes. I know. No amen, no laughter at that one. Thanks, that hurt too much. How about this one? You pick a fight with your spouse. Then after two days of the silent treatment, you ask God to fix them because you know you were right all along. This is the kind of stuff we do. Feel exhausted and, and instead of going to bed early and seeking God about your day tomorrow, you Netflix for way too long, right? Instead of sleeping next morning, you drink a cup of coffee and a Red Bull and, uh, on the way to the office and you're praying on your, work, on your way to God, oh God, would you, would you let my boss not be there so he doesn't know that I'm running late, right? You, this is the kind of stuff we do in our society. We, we tend to just go through it and then when you get to the point when I can't fix it myself, well, I guess I'll try God. And today what I want to stir in your heart is this simple line. They're going to put it on screen. I want every voice online in the room, come on, read it with me. It says, prayer should be our first response, not our last resort. Would you say it like you're the preacher? Come on. Prayer should be our first response, not our last resort. But why is it, why is it that we try everything in our power to control and to fix the situation? And then we say, God, I've given my best shots. I've, I've done all I can do. Now I need you, God. Man, I want you to know today that God is way more interested in your circumstance. And if you invited him in, he would fix problems that you never thought he would fix. 
Years ago, I had the opportunity to, to work for a church and work for Starbucks at the same time. Y'all heard that was an opportunity to, to, to be bivocational, right? Some of you say, what are you talking about? Well, there was a point in my career where I was stepping into a, a different environment and I had to make some extra money on the side. Some of you are considering a little side job because of inflation and all these problems. Your pastor had to do that too, working at Starbucks and a church at the same time. And there was this opportunity that we had a bunch of people move out. We were expanding like crazy. And, and it was new to me. I had never worked in, in retail food. God bless the people who work in retail food. Amen, everybody? Listen, I am so nice when I go to the Taco Bell drive-thru. So nice. Y'all don't do that. Y'all don't, anybody, nobody goes through the Taco Bell drive-thru. Thank you, sir. Rest of y'all, rest of y'all, it's Chick-fil-A because it's God's chicken, right? You got your spot that you go through, right? I'm so nice. I'm like, thank you, sir. Yes, ma'am. Because I'm just praying grace over my food, right? I, I wanted to come out fast and to be ready. And so I never worked in retail food in my life. And I had this moment where I had to hire four managers. That's a lot of people. And I remember driving uh, into, I had a day of interviews. I was going to interview 10, 11, 12 people that day. And on the way there, I just decided, God, I don't know who's the best candidate. I, there's no way in this interview, in the second interview, I'm going to really be able to tell whether they're the ones that can become the leaders that we need. And I said, God, would you just direct my heart? God, would you direct my heart? I, I prayed on this long drive, kind of like driving down veterans in the middle of traffic. Y'all know what I'm talking about? It was a long prayer. And I got there and I interviewed, and I'll tell you, there were four candidates that something inside of me said, yes. And they weren't, you want to say, well, they were good Christians. No, some of them weren't, didn't even know God, they had nothing to do. It wasn't even a part of the conversation. Something in me said that one. And there was a fifth one that I felt like, I'm not sure, but I felt like the Lord said, give them a shot. I hired five managers in one day. And I have you know that the four managers went on to grow with the organization, all led entire stores by themselves. The fifth one that I took a risk on didn't work out. <laughs> but I want you to know that day, every time they got promoted, I stood on the side and said, thank you, God, because I didn't know what to do. I didn't know who to pick, but I prayed first and God answered my prayer. And some of you, you're facing decisions like this and you have this response. It's like, I'm going to go through and then... Hey, hey, we're not going to go through and then. We're going to go to God and then. Y'all hear me today, right? Go to God and then. Listen to what Philippians chapter 1, the Apostle Paul, he says, I thank my God every time I remember you. Don't you want to be that kind of person? That every time I, th it's, I think of you, that you say, oh, I thank God. That's a, that's a, I don't know, that's just a little extra. It's lanyap in the verse. Like, I try to think, Amber, every time I think of my wife, oh, I thank God every time I remember you. What a beautiful thing. Y'all could have said, oh, but you didn't. <laughs> he says, in all my prayers, for all of you, I always pray with joy. Would you say that line? I always pray with joy because of your partnership in the gospel from this first day until now, being confident of this, that he who began a good work in you will carry it on to completion until the day of Jesus Christ. Paul is saying, if you prayed, you'd know that God finishes what he starts. 
That's what he's saying. He's saying, I, I, I pray with joy because I know that God is bigger than I am. And I know that he who began a good work in your marriage will complete the work. That he who began a good work in your education will complete the work. He who began it will finish it. And he prayed with that kind of passion because he believed God would answer him. I also believe that this is something we've got to learn how to do because, because of our culture. Everything is trying to get you to look away from God rather than look to God. Everything is designed to mess with your mind, to keep you swiping, right? Just social media. It's literally, go, go watch some of these uh, specials that tell you how it's affecting your brain, that you get this little dopamine hit every time you swipe and you see something new and you're like, oh, I don't like that, swipe faster. But then I go to that, I like that one, stay longer. And then they start sending you more of the things you like. Why? To, to make sure that you spend hours looking at a screen and moments talking to God. What would it look like if we spent hours talking to God and moments looking at screens? What would change in our lives? And so I want to stir something inside of you that instead of saying, when I can't fix it myself, I guess I'll go to God, that we will let prayer be our first response. Let prayer be the first thing when that person cuts you off. Come on. Instead of putting your hand out the wrong way, you put it out the right way and say, oh God, Bless them, protect them, favor them, send somebody to teach them. Come on now, right? <laughs> uh, today, what I, I want to do for the majority of this message is I, I feel like I hopefully sufficiently inspired you to the idea. Now I want to I turn to teach you just for a few moments. I want to teach you five things that prayer will do in your life if you will pray. Yeah. That five things that I think the world is desperate for. That when we dive into them, you're going to say, oh, yeah, I, I struggle with that. And I want you to know that prayer releases something in your life. It does something. So I want you to take some notes because if we'll pray first, I want you to pray first because, number one, prayer replaces worry. Anybody here been a little anxious lately? Anybody here looking at the stock market every single day? Thank you, sir, for being honest. All of us have something that we're just like, I don't know, your health. There's something you're worried about. Listen to Philippians 4, 6. It says, do not be anxious about your car. Do not be anxious about your future spouse. Do not be anxious about your money. Do not be anxious about the person who hurt you. Don't be anxious about tomorrow. Would y'all say that last word with me? Don't be anxious about anything. Does anything cover what you're going through? Now, I have not mastered this verse. Can I be honest with you? I have not mastered this verse because there are still days that I find myself struggling with things. And there are an endless number of things we can spend our lives worrying about. We can worry about our health. We can worry about our family. We can worry about the economy. We got terrorism worries. We got all sorts of things that are raining down on us. And if we aren't careful, the things just keep getting bigger and bigger and bigger and bigger. There are over 500 phobias in the world and they're counting. So meaning that the list hasn't ended. We just keep adding more phobias, more things to worry and to be afraid about. Let me give you a couple of them. My favorite one is what I call glossophobia. It's the fear of public speaking. 
Some of you, you love that I do this because you never want to do it. Can we just honor my wife for preaching God's word last week and honor her? You know, when we got married, she said, you do that, I'll do this, right? You go up there and do that, and I'll do the small group thing. Like, I, she does not want to stand on a stage, has never wanted to stand on a stage, but there are moments when she feels like God speaks to her something to bring to you, and those moments, she steps out in courage to do something that, for me, is just fun. Y'all hearing this, right? And I, I just want to honor people who kind of deal with that kind of worry and fear and step out of it. There's also a petronophobia, which is the fear of being tickled by feathers, okay? Like, I find that, amusing. like, somebody really named this, right? There's a nomophobia. That's the fear of losing your mobile phone. All of you have that. All of you have that. I'm probably mispronouncing all of these, so that, that's one of my phobias, all right? Like, there's the, the chorophobia. It's the fear of dancing. <laughs> Some of you, like, you're just like, I can't do it, Pastor. Can't move my body. Our kids' team does not have this one. I just need you to know it. Like, you get around them, they, they, they move sometimes too much, you know? Then there's the phobia phobia. The fear of having a phobia. Like they've named these things because we are so anxious. But the English root word for worry is the root word comes from the word strangle. So when you worry, it's like you're being strangled, that something is holding you. And uh, this is what we've most experienced. And this is what worry feels like. The more you worry, it's like the, the, the harder it is to breathe. But today I want you to hear this and I'm trying to, I'm sticking closer to my notes because I felt like I, there's some things I need you to hear closer and, and like to speak to your particular issue that when you worry, worry is actually borrowing from the future. Worry can't change the past or control the future. It only pollutes you right now. That's why Jesus said, Matthew 6, 27, they're going to put it on screen. Who of you by worrying can add a single hour to his life? Because worrying, worrying borrows from the future. And if you worry about what may happen tomorrow and then it doesn't happen, you have worried in vain. Y'all hearing this? And if it does happen, then you've worried twice. Why would you worry twice? Matthew 6, 34 says, therefore, do not worry about tomorrow for tomorrow will worry about what? itself. Each day has enough enough trouble of its own. Why are you going to let those things stack on you? Prayer helps those things to change. And what we worry about, write this down with me, what we worry about the most reveals where we trust God the least. So if you had a little quiet moment and it was just you and me and I said, what's, what's the thing that's strangling you right now? What's the thing that when you think about it, the water table in your body rises and you feel like you're on the edge and you can't control it? Could that be the thing that you need to say, hey, God, here you go. Hey, God, hey, hey, God, this is not mine, it's yours. Prayer, if you will allow it, will replace worry in your life. It'll change the way you engage with these things. Number two, prayer relinquishes control. This is a big, big deal 
Because when you allow prayer to begin to replace, instead of, instead, of, instead of ruminating and thinking about all the bad things and how it could go wrong, you start saying, God, you said. God, I believe. Your word says that you're a provider. You're the keeper. You begin to replace your worry with the word of God, right? Then something happens. You begin to say, oh my gosh, this is not mine. It's yours, God. Philippians 4, 6 and 7 says, by prayer and petition. Y'all know that prayer is kind of talking. Petition is like, God, right here, right here, and, and right here you said. Psalm 107, 20 says, he sent forth his word and healed us and rescued us. You need healing? You need to get it on a petition. A petition is when you write some things down and you sign your name next to the things and you said, hey, God, remember that time you said. Y'all hear me today. It begins to change the way you feel. He said, by prayer and petition with thanksgiving, present your request to God and the peace of God, which transcends all understanding, will guard your hearts and minds in Christ Jesus. What happens? You begin to relinquish control and then it begins to change the way you feel. In prayer, we offload all of the things we've tried to control. And some of you are trying to carry it with God like God needs your help. Like, hey, God, I, I, God I, I'll, I'll handle this one. God, I know you got bigger things. There are wars and rumors of wars. And so I'm going to handle the war at the office, God. Do y'all hear how that sounds to God? God's like, I just sometimes I think, God, he said, I said so much that sometimes I'm just going to sit here and like, First Peter 5 and 7 says, cast all your anxiety on him because he cares for you. If you'll cast it on him, you'll discover how much he cares for you. The word here literally like means to like throw it out of your lap. It's like hot potato in, with your problems. God, here you go, God. <laughs> here you go, God. Just think about how this changes your mindset. In the Phillips translation, same verse, 1 Peter 5, 7, says you can throw the whole weight of your anxieties upon him. For you are his personal concern. God can handle the whole weight of your children's education. God can handle the whole weight of providing for your family. God can handle the whole weight of your anxiety. God can handle the whole weight of the physical sickness that you have been fighting for years in your body. God is a God who knows and cares about your personal concerns. If it were not so, God would not have sent Jesus on our behalf. It's because he cares for us so much that he was willing to have his son pay the price for all of our personal sins. And if he's willing to forgive yours and mine personal sins, how much more? How much more does he not want you to live the life that he has for you? This is a real challenge for us. It, it gets to this point where we've got to say, you know what? No, no, no. Some of you, this needs to be your lifting of hands. Instead of going up to here, your first step needs to go to here. God, I'm not gripping it any longer. Come on, try it with me. Come on, put your fists out a little bit right now in church, right? This is, you feel like clench them a little bit. This is how some of you are living in your soul right now. You're clenched to a problem and God's saying, come on, just do it with me, breathe out. In worship, it's a moment where you can lift your hands and say, God, 
this is not my problem, you can have it. It's like the old hymn used to say, what a friend we have in Jesus. Oh, what peace we often forfeit. Oh, what needless pain we bear. All because we do not carry everything to God in prayer, right? We're holding things that we should never have held in our lives. So here's the truth. Write it down with me. It can't be God's problem and my problem at the same time. It can't be God's and yours. Let go. I was tempted to sing the Disney song, but I didn't. Praise God. Aren't y'all proud of me? I'm getting better. I think this is an important time to relinquish control and ask God to do what only God can do in our nation. I think this is a great time to relinquish control. I didn't say give up responsibility, but to relinquish control over the outcomes of things in our nation. We should vote in our political system, but we need to trust God. Amen, everybody? We need to trust God because God knows and God is involved. The Bible says in Isaiah that the government rests on his shoulders. He's the one who created the environments where those things could be. And what we need is to pray for our president and our vice president. Come on, we need to pray for our state and our governor and our mayor. Because the only thing that's going to change the situations that we're in is God. Listen, Lord knows you've tried everything else already. That post on Facebook didn't do anything. It made you feel better about yourself. Sorry. My name is Josh, and I'm your friend. Can we keep on going? I got a couple more. Number three, prayer. Prayer actually regulates my thinking. Because there's this thing that when your mouth is closed, your mind is running. And sometimes... When our mind is running, some of us have this tendency to let our mouth start running with our mind, right? And that can be unhealthy. You can end up saying things that you regret, saying things you shouldn't have said, right? But then there's this point where, where Jesus said that what's in your heart comes out of your mouth. But then he also said in the Old Testament that if you want to get things in your heart, you got to get them in your mouth. Let me say it again. What's in your heart is coming out. And if you don't like what's coming out of you, then the way that you change what's coming out of you is begin to control your thought life and speak some things until those things get in your heart. And then you change the cycle of negativity. So prayer actually begins to regulate your thinking. Some of you, your mind is controlling how you feel because you're running to the right and you're running to the left. You're running to and fro with the problems that are surrounding you. But when you begin to declare and speak out loud what God says about the situation, you actually control your mind. If I, I do this often in counseling with, with uh, people who are struggling with their thought life, I'll say, think about anything you want, anything you want, just think about anything you want. And when I snap my fingers, I want you to count to 10 out loud, beginning at one, right? I want you to just think about anything you want. Come on, let's do it together. Think about anything you want. Think about, what, what are you eating for lunch? Where are we going after this? I really like Pastor Josh's shirt. Like, think about anything you want. Think about anything you want. Ready? Think about anything you want, right? One, two, out loud, three, four, five. What are you thinking about? Six, seven, eight, Nine, ten. Some of you are like, can't, don't miss the next number. <laughs> don't miss the next number. Right. But what were you thinking about? You were thinking about the 
numbers. Why? Because your mouth begins to control your mind when you begin to speak out. You can't separate the two. When you begin to speak, you're directly connected to it, and God wired you that way. And so if you want to regulate your thinking, you start saying out loud in your prayer time, in your road time, in your worship time, you can't just think your prayers. Yes, God knows your thoughts, but God created you to speak because you're made in the image of God. And in Genesis 1, God spoke and the world brought life, right? God spoke and everything was created. And you and I are made in the image of God. And when you begin to speak the things of God, you come in unison, you, right, you, you come together with God and your words get attached to God's words. And then God does the things that God does, right? But if you let your mind run away from God and your mouth run away from God, your thinking is going to take you to a very unhealthy place. You're going to fall apart you got to regulate your thinking. The Bible says in, in, in Philippians chapter 4 and verse 8, Finally, brothers, whatever is true, whatever is noble, whatever is right, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is admirable, if anything is excellent or praiseworthy, think about such things. You've got to think about things. You've got to regulate your thinking. And the best way to do that is to say it out loud. Y'all will probably laugh at this, but it's true. When I first started Bible college, I had just real issues with memorization. I don't really struggle with it at all at this point in my life, but I, I struggled. I went to a class on biblical counseling, and the first thing they wanted us to do was memorize a verse because in biblical counseling, they, they said, listen, what you've got to do is learn how to replace the lie with truth. And you can't give somebody something that you don't have yourself. And so before, that's what Jesus said in Matthew 6, by the way, if you're going to help somebody out with a, with a little twig in their eye, you got to take the beam out of your eye, right? You got to deal with you first. It was Ephesians 2, 8, 9. For by grace you've been saved through faith and not of yourselves as a gift of God, not of works, lest any man should boast. I struggled. Y'all laughing at me, okay? Don't laugh. I struggled. It took me like eight days. But then something changed. And I began to say what Proverbs 18 says, that, the death and life, that power's in my tongue, and I'm going to learn to speak. And I begin to say what Proverbs 18 and 20 says, that your soul is satisfied by the words of your mouth, right? And I begin to speak life over myself. And, and I started, and, and I've got, I got a stack of all different color, three by five cards. They're like flash cards. And they're just verse, over 400 verses that I've memorized. And on down days, you know what I do? I just go back to the flash cards. See how many of them I can say without the car, right? I just hold, hold my hand over. What does it say? It regulates my thinking changes the way that I think. I'm convinced that the secular pollutes us more than we realize. So over this next month and heading towards prayer week, why don't you test it? Why don't you go six days from now to next Sunday? Why don't you worship every day? Why don't you give up on secular music for just a few days? Can you give up on Pearl Jam and Journey and Metallica? Come on, a little R&B. Anybody in here want to go? Boys to men still back there, right? Some of y'all don't listen to that anymore. I hung out with a friend today that was talking about TLC. Don't go chasing waterfalls. I was like, what are we doing here, right? This is so good. Listen, why don't you give up on some of that? Movies, video. You know what will happen? You'll go from negative to positive. Some of you need to media fast. Facebook, Instagram, TV, movies, secular music. You need to give up on it. Why? Because Colossians 3, 2 says, think about the things of heaven, not the things of earth. Think about the things of heaven, not the things of earth. Listen to what C.S. Lewis says. This is your action step. C.S. Lewis said, aim at heaven and you'll get earth thrown in. Aim at earth and you'll get neither. 
I want you to regulate your thinking by your prayer life. Change the way you think by saying some things out loud. Number four, prayer also reveals contentment. It reveals something about your heart and your life and what really is important to you. And the more you talk to God, it's at that time that he begins to see what you're focused on and where you're finding your peace. This is another beautiful benefit to prayer. You realize how blessed you are when you begin to pray and thank God. I want to encourage you to create a gratitude list in prayer. That before you go too far in your prayer list, that the first thing you do is thank God for all the things he's done already. Any young people in the room are thankful for Skittles, yeah? Come on, anybody, any young people, any older people thankful for Skittles in the room, right? Like, there's something you can thank God for. There, you say, well, pastor, there's this big problem, I know, but that is God's problem, not yours, because you gave it to God already. And now you just need to say, God, thank you, thank you for the air that I breathe today. Thank you for the car that I drive. Pastor, you hadn't seen my car. Thank God for the car that you drive. Just owning a car makes you, puts you in the top 5% of wealthiest people in the world. Thank God for that jalopy, right? Thank God for that, my first Pontiac Grand Am. Y'all remember those cars? It was not a lady's car. It was ugly. It was four doors. Terrible stereo system. Praise God. Praise God. Praise God. Thank you, God, for what you have given me. You've got to uh, focus your heart on gratitude. Many times we come to God with a laundry list of wants and desires, and we leave realizing how blessed we are. If you'll just talk to him. Philippians 4 and 12 says it this way. It says, I, I know what it is to be in need. So do you. And I know what it is to have plenty. I have learned the secret of being content in any and every situation, whether well-fed or hungry, whether living in plenty or in want. He said there is a secret in being content with what you have. I didn't say you couldn't expect for God to do greater things, but there is this tension of dreaming the dream that God's placed in your heart, but being at peace with where God has you today. I'm not talking about settling. Y'all hear my heart. But there is a peace that God wants to be in your heart and life when you trust him as the psalmist said in Psalm 23 and 1, the Lord is my shepherd. I have, come on, read with me. I have all that I need. I like how the King James says it. I shall not want. That doesn't mean, again, that you don't have God-like expectations because I believe that God drops dreams in our hearts. But then the wants, right? The wrestling that I gotta have it in order to be fulfilled. Listen, if God never gave you and I another thing, he has given us enough. If he did nothing more than sending Jesus on our behalf, he is worthy of our highest praise, right? If he just forgave our sins. And when you pray, it reveals your contentment because this is what's needed. Listen, if you're not content with what God has already given you and you're not stewarding the little you have, he is not going to give you more because you're going to begin to trust in the riches rather than trust in your God. You're going to begin to say, this is what I find my hope in. And this is one of the problems with our nation. We're the wealthiest nation still in the world. Some of you, every time you fill up your gas tank, you're angry for an hour. <laughs> Pastor, you, you, you went too close there. 
I, I know. I was standing with a friend. I've got a 32-gallon vehicle. Fill that thing up. I'm like trying to find the cheapest gas I can find. I'm like, Costco? Sam's? Give me a, give me a membership card. Somebody. So you can't put your hope in provision. You've got to put your hope in a provider. Listen, I, I, listen, it is okay to say these things are not good. I'm not telling you to pretend that things that aren't good are good. I'm telling you to defeat the bad things with good. To show your contentment in God. Here's the truth. Write it down with me. I will not trust in riches, but in him who richly provides. Some of you need to say it again. I will not, come on, say it with me. I will not trust in riches, but in him who richly provides. This is what prayer does for you. And today I suspect that every one of us, including your pastor, needs to pray a little bit more. Number five, and then we're going to close together. Number five, prayer relies on God. When you pray, You're declaring to God and all the demons in hell that you're trusting God in this situation. And that God, he's not a respecter of persons. He's not a respecter of color or creed or background or poverty or not poverty. He's not worried about how much you have. God is a provider to all. He loves us all. Amen, everybody? And listen, it declares to your enemies. No, no, no. You just don't know who I'm friends with, devil. You don't know who's fighting for me in heaven. Because come on, the psalmist said that he commands his angels to take charge of you. That he won't even let your foot slumber, right? Or, or slip out from under you. That even when you sleep, God is watching you. Why, why? He wants you to know that when you rely on him, that you can trust him. And your prayers are saying to every enemy around you who you trust. Do you trust yourself to fix all of your problems? Or do you trust God? Philippians 4 and 13, I can do everything through him who gives me strength. So what's that mean? In and of myself, I can do nothing. In and of myself, I'm a broken sinner, y'all. In and of myself, I am not the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus. But in him, I can do all things. In him, I am the righteousness of God. In him, God the Father sees me through the rose-colored glasses of Jesus. God sees me pure and right and justified. And so when I come in, he says, I can boldly enter the throne of grace with confidence. Like a young child running and saying, Daddy, 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 what do you have for me? What, do you, what will you do in this situation? And some of you need to change from the formal, whither thou goest, God, wilt thou come unto me? No, no, you need to go away from those things and say, Daddy, Daddy, Father, do you know? Do you know what I'm going through here? Philippians 4, 19 goes on. And my God, and my God will meet all your needs according to his glorious riches in Christ Jesus. I like another version that says, my God will supply, right? He's a supplier. He's better than the drug dealers in our world, right? He's better than the craziness that's happening. God is a supplier of all of our needs. And all of this, I want you to see that prayer isn't informing God about our realities, 
but God informing us about his realities. I need to say that again. Prayer isn't informing God. He knows, he knows, but it's informing our souls of who God is and the realities that, that work in his life. Today, I need you to hear this. We're praying your kingdom come, your will be done. And what a privilege it is to lead this way. What a privilege it is to sit on the front row and come to church early. What a privilege it is because it's declaring to all of heaven, no, 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 God is my God. And I just need you to hear this. I'm championing something fresh in our church, in our lives, a dependency on God that changes everything. So you need to change your routine. You got a month to get ready. Start working on it. Start praying. Start praying just a few moments. Maybe you need a routine like me. A little coffee. I pray better with a little coffee. How about y'all, right? I sleep better without coffee. I pray better with coffee. A little coffee, a little worship, a little one-year Bible. Go to onehopechurch.com. It's all right there. You don't even have to go to other places. Watch the sunrise. I like to walk to the lake sometimes. When I look out and I see the, the vastness of all that God has created, it shows me how small I am, but then how important I am to God that he loves me. These are things that happen and I begin to trust him and I begin to trust in his strength. Here's our last. Because prayer doesn't move God toward us. Prayer moves us toward God. He'll put peace and joy and purpose in your life like never before. If you'll pray first. If you'll pray first. Would you bow with me online in the room? Every head bowed and every eye closed just for a moment. There's one prayer that is the most important prayer of your life. And some of us have prayed this prayer years ago but have fallen away. Others of us have never prayed the prayer. Today, if you feel far from God, the Bible says that you can pray and ask God to forgive you for your sins. And the Bible says that he's faithful and just, that if we'll confess our sins, that he will forgive us and that he will heal us. So today with every head bowed and every eye closed, I won't embarrass you. I won't ask you to stand or come to the front. But if today you feel far from God, the most important prayer is the prayer where you surrender control to God and you ask him to be your Lord and Savior. If that's you, I'll give you the words. Would you just pray this right after me? Say, Lord Jesus, I'm giving you my life. And I'm asking you to be my Lord and my Savior. God, would you forgive me for my sin? Would you forgive me for trying to live this life on my own? And God, would you give me the power to follow you all the days of my life? In Jesus' name. 